Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the Roughnecks Podcast. I'm your host, Cole Nixon. I'm a senior at Ohio Wesleyan University in Delaware, Ohio. I major in business marketing with a minor in data analytics. I also play football for the Battling Bishops. I started this podcast to share the knowledge and advice with others. Just about every week, I try to bring on a guest who is viewed as a leader or motivator in athletics, coaching, business, and just life. A new episode is released every single Monday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. Don't miss Motivation Monday at the end of each episode. Make sure you follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Find us on Instagram at Roughnecks Podcast and Twitter at RoughnecksPodC1. If you ever want to get in contact with the Roughnecks Podcast, you can message us on social media or email us at RoughnecksPodcast at gmail.com. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review so you don't miss any other episodes. But for now, let's get into this week's show. Welcome back to another episode of the Roughnecks Podcast, everybody. Uh, this is episode 16 now. I hope you guys had a fun and safe New Year. Happy New Year to all you guys out there. Hopefully 2021 brings much better luck than what we endured in uh, 2020. I'm super excited to get started with this new year. I have a ton of good things lined up for you guys. I just finished scheduling the guests for actually the next two months. So January and February are both ready to roll. And we'll. I got some great guests lined up, but... I want to talk about a little about what you're going to expect this year. I mentioned it a little bit on the last uh, episode, episode 15, um, but I will be using what's called the Champions Manual. Now, I want to talk about what that is. The The Champions Manual is something that came to me from when I first went to Ohio Wesleyan. I knew a little bit about it from Jim Tressel's book, The Winner's Manual, which is essentially the same thing, but... So when I when we come into camp at Ohio Wesleyan, we get this book, and it's called Champions Manual. And every meeting that we're at, you have to have it with you. It is your. It's almost as necessary as your playbook. You have to have it. And if you don't, then you're you're going to be in a little bit of trouble. Um, so yeah, it's something Coach Watts started. I don't know exactly when he started. I, I forget. I think he says it on his podcast episode that he did with me, which was episode four, I believe. Talks a little bit about the Champions Manual on that episode, but. It's something that he started at Ohio Wesleyan, and that's how I found out about it. And then it's actually something he got. He's friends with Jim Tressel. It's something he got from Jim Tressel, and it's what Jim Tressel did while he was the head coach at Ohio State as well as when he was at Youngstown State. But so basically what's in it, for us at least, is when you open it, I believe it's the same for Coach Tressel, but when you open it, the first thing you see is freedom is not free. And it's kind of to pay respect to the men and women serving uh, out of our country, serving for our country. And it's basically saying like, we live in a great country and we do have a lot of freedom and we get the freedom to go play football, go play a game we love while they are out serving our country to allow us to be able to do it. So that's kind of how it starts. But then it kind of gets into like some of our personal football stuff. And then it goes on to basically, I, I got it here right now and it's a big list of things of like, I don't, I don't know what to call them exactly. Like, um, motivational things, I guess is what you want to call them. But so like, I'll go down the list. We have attitude, caring, class, discipline, enthusiasm, excellence, faith, belief, focus, gratitude, handling adversity, handling success, heroes, winners, hope, humility, love, persistence, responsibility, and do right team 
toughness and work. And now like, that's just some of them. And I mean, that's all, all of them that we have in our most recent champions manual. And this is like a 500 page book. Like this isn't something that's like a little, it's, it's a big thing that, you know, it's in a binder that we have to carry with us all the time. And uh, I mean, I, I use it pretty often now and I didn't use it as much when I was in college, when I was playing football, which I still am hopefully this year, this spring that we get a season, but I didn't use it as much. I'm going to be honest. And then, you know, I kind of realized like, this is something that I need to start using. Like it's very good. There's a ton of quotes in there. Some of the quotes I've used personally on um, motivation Monday, when I've done my own episodes are front out of that champions manual. The one today will not be, but it'll be kind of based out of it. And there, there's a ton of good things in there. So many good things. Like, Oh, it's ridiculous. You could just open one day if you're having a bad day, open randomly and you'll find something that will help get you through that tough day. Each month will be based on a topic based out of that champion's manual. Uh, most of them are going to be directly from it, while others will have a little Roughnecks twist to them. Uh, if you check the Roughnecks Instagram and Twitter on the last day of each month, you will find that the we will release the topic for that month, except this month. This month's a little different. I waited until the day before this episode came out, but from now on, you'll find it on the 30th or 31st or 28th or whatever day is the last day of that month. And each month, you're going to start with an episode where it's just me. And it's just kind of, I'm going to introduce the topic a little bit and talk about it and introduce the guests, some of the guests that we're going to have who I feel that fit into these topics. Like this month, we have three guests. We have Trevor Scott, Carter Franklin, and Hunter Coyle. Trevor Scott is through Artie as well, like Artie knows him, and I believe they train together, uh, he's opened two, at least two gyms that I know of, a food business, like he, he's an entrepreneur, and he's inspirational, and he's very determined to get things done, and I feel like he's going to be a great fit, another one, we have Carter Franklin, oh man, his videos that he makes, he, he records videos, I first knew him, he went to Ohio Wesleyan, played baseball, but I didn't really know him, and then he came out and was recording videos, and like, you know, game day videos and stuff like that for our football team. And now he's recording videos from Miles Garrett. I mean, Miles Garrett for the Browns. Are you kidding me? I have him coming on. And then I'll, I'm going to finish up this month with uh, Hunter Coyle. Hunter is actually roommates with Teddy. Sadly enough, I feel bad for Coyle there, but he's roommates with Teddy and he's um, a student coach at Ohio Wesleyan University. So he, he's an old friend of mine as well. Like we spent a lot of time together in college, a year older than me, but he, uh, yeah, he, he'll be on also at the end of this month. And then, so yeah, let's just get into this week or yeah, this week. And let's talk a little bit about our topic. What is our topic? Drum roll, please. Our topic is inspiration, inspirational, inspiration, whatever you want to call it. You know, it, it's hard to, inspiration is something that you can look at in many different ways, almost like you got inspiration, like that person inspires me or I want to inspire that person or even that, you know, where did the inspiration for this podcast come from? Where did the inspiration for you starting that nonprofit come from? Where, where did you feel inspired to decide to, you know, work in this company or where, where is all this inspiration coming from? Inspiration is something that comes from deep. And if you look up the definition of what inspiration is online, you know, you got, you got a couple different definitions of the process of being mentally stimulated to do or feel something, especially to do something creative or a sudden brilliant, creative or timely idea. You know, it's something, it comes with creativity and it comes from inside you. It's, it's not something that 
you can explain necessarily to other people and they not everybody's got the same inspiration but we all have we all have that inspiration for something and the first thing i'm going to start with is actually from um a speech and i'm going to play it i'm going to and put it the clip in here and it's a speech from u.s navy admiral william h mcraven and i'm sure some of you have heard it if you've listened to motivational speeches and stuff and it's from when he gave his com- the commencement speech at Texas in Austin, and he, oh man, it, he, he just talked about making your bed. Like that was what the whole thing was based off of. It's making your bed. But I'm gonna play it here, and then I'm gonna let you guys, or I'm gonna talk about it a little bit after. But here is his speech. Thank you very much. Thank you. Well, thank you, President Powers. Provost Fenves, deans, members of the faculty, family and friends, and most importantly, the class of 2014. It is, it is indeed an honor for me to be here tonight. It's been almost 37 years to the day that I graduated from UT. I remember a lot of things about that day. I remember I had a throbbing headache from a party the night before. I remember I had a serious girlfriend, who I later married. That's important to remember, by the way. And I remember I was getting commissioned in the Navy that day. But of all the things I remember, I don't have a clue who the commencement speaker was, and I certainly don't remember anything they said. So acknowledging that fact, if I can't make this commencement speech memorable, I will at least try to make it short. So the university's slogan is, What starts here changes the world. Well, I've got to admit, I kind of like it. What starts here changes the world. Tonight, there are almost 8,000 students, or there are more than 8,000 students, graduated from UT. So that great paragon of analytical rigor, ask.com, says that the average American will meet 10,000 people in their lifetime. 10,000 people, that's a lot of folks. But if every one of you changed the lives of just 10 people, and each one of those people changed the lives of another 10 people and another 10, then in five generations, 125 years, the class of 2014 will have changed the lives of 800 million people. 800 million people. Think about it. Over twice the population of the United States. Go one more generation and you can change the entire population of the world. Eight billion people. If you think it's hard to change the lives of 10 people, change their lives forever, you're wrong. I saw it happen every day in Iraq and Afghanistan. A young army officer makes a decision to go left instead of right down a road in Baghdad, and the 10 soldiers with him are saved from a close-in ambush. In Kandahar province, Afghanistan, a non-commissioned officer from the female engagement team senses that something isn't right and directs the infantry platoon away from a 500-pound IED, saving the lives of a dozen soldiers. But if you think about it, not only were those soldiers saved by the decisions of one person, but their children were saved, and their children's children. Generations were saved by one decision, one person. But changing the world can happen anywhere, and anyone can do it. So what starts here can indeed change the world. But the question is, What will the world look like after you change it? 
Well, I'm confident that it will look much, much better. But if you'll humor this old sailor for just a moment, I have a few suggestions that may help you on your way to a better world. And while these lessons were learned during my time in the military, I can assure you that it matters not whether you ever served a day in uniform. It matters not your gender, your ethnic or religious background, your orientation, or your social status. Our struggles in this world are similar, and the lessons to overcome those struggles and to move forward, changing ourselves and changing the world around us will apply equally to all. I've been a Navy SEAL for 36 years, but it all began when I left UT for basic SEAL training in Coronado, California. Basic SEAL training is six months of long, torturous runs in the soft sand, midnight swims in the cold water off San Diego, obstacle courses, unending calisthenics, days without sleep, and always being cold, wet, and miserable. It is six months of being constantly harassed by professionally trained warriors who seek to find the weak of mind and body and, and eliminate them from ever becoming a Navy SEAL. But the training also seeks to find those students who can lead in an environment of constant stress, chaos, failure, and hardships. To me, basic SEAL training was a lifetime of challenges crammed into six months. So here are the 10 lessons I learned from basic SEAL training that hopefully will be of value to you as you move forward in life. Every morning in SEAL training, my instructors, who at the time were all Vietnam veterans, would show up in my barracks room, and the first thing they'd do was inspect my bed. If you did it right, the corners would be square, the covers would be pulled tight, the pillow centered just under the headboard, and the extra blanket folded neatly at the foot of the rack. It was a simple task, mundane at best, but every morning we were required to make our bed to perfection. It seemed a little ridiculous at the time, particularly in light of the fact that we were aspiring to be real warriors, tough, battle-hardened SEALs. But the wisdom of this simple act has been proven to me many times over. If you make your bed every morning, you will have accomplished the first task of the day. It will give you a small sense of pride, and it will encourage you to do another task, and another, and another. And by the end of the day, that one task completed will have turned into many tasks completed. Making your bed will also reinforce the fact that the little things in life matter. If you can't do the little things right, you'll never be able to do the big things right. And if by chance you have a miserable day, you will come home to a bed that is made, <laughs> that you made. And a made bed gives you encouragement that tomorrow will be better. So if you want to change the world, start off by making your bed. During SEAL training the, students, during training, the students are all broken down into boat crews. Each crew is seven students, three on each side of a small rubber boat, and one coxswain to help guide the dinghy. Every day, your boat crew forms up on the beach and is instructed to get through the surf zone and paddle several miles down the coast. In the winter, the surf off San Diego can get to be eight to 10 feet high, and it is exceedingly difficult to paddle through the plunging surf unless everyone digs in. Every paddle must be synchronized to the stroke count of the coxswain. Everyone must exert equal effort, or the boat will turn against the wave and be unceremoniously dumped back on the beach. For the boat to make it to its destination, everyone must paddle. You can't change the world alone. You will need some help. And to truly get from your starting point to your destination takes friends, colleagues, 
the goodwill of strangers, and a strong coxswain to guide you. If you want to change the world, find someone to help you paddle. Over a few weeks of difficult training, my SEAL class, which started with 150 men, was down to just 42. There were now six boat crews of seven men each. I was in the boat with the tall guys, but the best boat crew we had was made up of the little guys, the munchkin crew, we called them. No one was over five foot five. The munchkin boat crew had one American Indian, one African American, one Polish American, one Greek American, one Italian American, and two tough kids from the Midwest. They out paddled, outran, and outswam all the other boat crews. The big men in the other boat crews would always make good natured fun of the tiny little flippers the munchkins put on their tiny little feet prior to every swim. But somehow these little guys from every corner of the nation and the world always had the last laugh, swimming faster than everyone and reaching the shore long before the rest of us. SEAL training was a great equalizer. Nothing mattered but your will to succeed, not your color, not your ethnic background, not your education, not your social status. If you want to change the world, measure a person by the size of their heart, not by the size of their flippers. Several times a week, the instructors would line up the class and do a uniform inspection. It was exceptionally thorough. Your hat had to be perfectly starched, your uniform immaculately pressed, your belt buckle shiny and void of any smudges. But it seemed that no matter how much effort you put into starching your hat or pressing your uniform or polishing your belt buckle, it just wasn't good enough. The instructors would find something wrong. For failing uniform inspection, the student had to run, fully clothed, into the surf zone, then wet from head to toe, roll around on the beach until every part of your body was covered with sand. The effect was known as a sugar cookie. You stayed in the uniform the rest of the day, cold, wet, and sandy. There were many a student who just couldn't accept the fact that all their efforts were in vain, that no matter how hard they tried to get the uniform right, it went unappreciated. Those students didn't make it through training. Those students didn't understand the purpose of the drill. You were never going to succeed. You were never going to have a perfect uniform. The instructors weren't going to allow it. Sometimes, no matter how well you prepare, or how well you perform, you still end up as a sugar cookie. It's just the way life is sometimes. If you want to change the world, get over being a sugar cookie and keep moving forward. Every day during training, you were challenged with multiple physical events, long runs, long swims, obstacle courses, hours of calisthenics, something designed to test your mettle. Every event had standards, times you had to meet. If you failed to meet those times, those standards, your name was posted on a list, and at the end of the day, those on the list were invited to a circus. A circus was two hours of additional calisthenics designed to wear you down, to break your spirit, to force you to quit. No one wanted a circus. A circus meant that for that day, you didn't measure up. A circus meant more fatigue, and more fatigue meant that the following day would be more difficult and more circuses were likely. But at some time during SEAL training, Everyone, everyone made the circus list. But an interesting, an interesting thing happened to those who were constantly on the list. Over time, those students who did two hours of extra calisthenics got stronger and stronger. The pain of the circuses built inner strength and physical resiliency. 
Life is filled with circuses. You will fail. You will likely fail often. It will be painful. It will be discouraging. At times, it will test you to your very core. But if you, don't, if you want to change the world, don't be afraid of the circuses. At least twice a week, the trainees were required to run the obstacle course. The obstacle course contained 25 obstacles, including a 10-foot wall, a 30-foot cargo net, a barbed wire crawl, to name a few. But the most challenging obstacle was the slide for life. It had a three-level, 30-foot tower at one end and a one-level tower at the other. In between was a 200-foot-long rope. You had to climb the three-tiered tower, and once at the top, you grabbed the rope, swung underneath the rope, and pulled yourself hand over hand until you got to the other end. The record for the obstacle course had stood for years when my class began in 1977. The record seemed unbeatable until one day a student decided to go down the slide for life head first. Instead of swinging his body underneath the rope and inching his way down, he bravely mounted the top of the rope and thrust himself forward. It was a dangerous move, seemingly foolish and fraught with risk. Failure could mean injury and being dropped from the course. Without hesitation, the student slid down the rope perilously fast. Instead of several minutes, it only took him half that time. And by the end of the course, he had broken the record. If you want to change the world, sometimes you have to slide down the obstacles head first. During the land warfare phase of training, the students are flown out to San Clemente Island, which lies off the coast of San Diego. The waters off San Clemente are a breeding ground for the great white sharks. To pass SEAL training, there are a series of long swims that must be completed. One is the night swim. Before the swim, the instructors joyfully brief the students on all the species of sharks that inhabit the waters off San Clemente. They assure you, however, that no student has ever been eaten by a shark, at least not that they can remember. But you are also taught that if a shark begins to circle your position, Stand your ground. Do not swim away. Do not act afraid. And if the shark, hungry for a midnight snack, darts towards you, then summons up all your strength and punch him in the snout, and he will turn and swim away. There are a lot of sharks in the world. If you hope to complete the swim, you will have to deal with them. So if you want to change the world, don't back down from the sharks. As Navy SEALs, one of our jobs is to conduct underwater attacks against enemy shipping. We practice this technique ex extensively during training. The ship attack mission is where a pair of SEAL divers is dropped off outside an enemy harbor and then swims well over two miles underwater, using nothing but a depth gauge and a compass to get to the target. During the entire swim, even well below the surface, there is some light that comes through. It is comforting to know that there is open water above you. But as you approach the ship, which is tied to a pier, the light begins to fade. The steel structure of the ship blocks the moonlight. It blocks the surrounding street lamps. It blocks all ambient light. To be successful in your mission, you have to swim under the ship and find the keel, the center line, and the deepest part of the ship. This is your objective. But the keel is also the darkest part of the ship where you cannot see your hand in front of your face, where the noise from the ship's machinery is deafening, and where it gets to be easily disoriented, and you can fail. 
Every SEAL knows that under the keel, at that darkest moment of the mission, is a time when you need to be calm, when you must be calm, when you must be composed, when all your tactical skills, your physical power, and your inner strength must be brought to bear. If you want to change the world, you must be your very best in the darkest moments. The ninth week of training is referred to as Hell Week. It is six days of no sleep, constant physical and mental harassment, and one special day at the Mud Flats. The Mud Flats are an area between San Diego and Tijuana where the water runs off and creates the Tijuana Sloughs, a swampy patch of terrain where the mud will engulf you. It is on Wednesday of Hell Week that you paddle down to the Mud Flats and spend the next 15 hours trying to survive the freezing cold, the howling wind, and the incessant pressure to quit from the instructors. As the sun began to set that Wednesday evening, my training class, having committed some egregious infraction of the rules, was ordered into the mud. The mud consumed each man till there was nothing visible but our heads. The instructors told us we could leave the mud if only five men would quit. Only five men, just five men, and we could get out of the oppressive cold. Looking around the mud flat, it was apparent that some students were about to give up. It was still over eight hours till the sun came up. Eight more hours of bone-chilling cold. The chattering teeth and the shivering moans of the trainees were so loud, it was hard to hear anything. And then one voice began to echo through the night. One voice raised in song. The song was terribly out of tune, but sung with great enthusiasm. One voice became two and two became three, and before long, everyone in the class was singing. The instructors threatened us with more time in the mud if we kept up the singing, but the singing persisted, and somehow the mud seemed a little warmer, and the wind a little tamer, and the dawn not so far away. If I have learned anything in my time traveling the world, it is the power of hope, the power of one person, a Washington, a Lincoln, King, Mandela, and even a young girl from Pakistan, Malala. One person can change the world by giving people hope. So if you want to change the world, start singing when you're up to your neck in mud. Finally, in SEAL training, there's a bell, a brass bell that hangs in the center of the compound for all the students to see. All you have to do to quit, all you have to do to quit is ring the bell. Ring the bell and you no longer have to wake up at five o'clock. Ring the bell, and you no longer have to be in the freezing cold swims. Ring the bell, and you no longer have to do the runs, the obstacle course, the PT, and you no longer have to endure the hardships of training. All you have to do is ring the bell to get out. If you want to change the world, don't ever, ever ring the bell. To the class of 2014, you are moments away from graduating, moments away from beginning your journey through life, moments away from starting to change the world for the better. It will not be easy, but you are the class of 2014, the class that can affect the lives of 800 million people in the next century. Start each day with a task completed. Find someone to help you through life. Respect everyone. Know that life is not fair and that you will fail often. But if you take some risks, Step up when the times are the toughest. Face down the bullies, lift up the downtrodden, and never, ever give up. If you do these things,
the next generation and the generations that follow will live in a world far better than the one we have today. And what started here will indeed have changed the world for the better. Thank you very much. Hook em horns. Man, like that, in my opinion, is super inspirational and super motivational. I mean, he starts with like, what starts here changes the world, which is the UT slogan. And that can apply more than just like UT. You don't have to go to UT for that to apply. That can apply anywhere. That can apply to you. That can apply to your friend. That can apply to literally anybody. And he talks about like, you want to change the world, just change 10 people. Change the lives of 10 people. You know, and that might inspire those 10 people to go on and change 10 more and 10 more and 10 more. And he said, if you go five generations, you would have changed the lives of 80 million people. That's the U.S. population. And if you go one more, you're changing the lives of the entire population of the world. It's easy to change someone's life. It's easy to inspire someone else. It doesn't matter what your gender is, what your ethnicity is. It doesn't matter about anything. It doesn't matter who you are. You can inspire anybody. It could start with simply making your bed. You know, that, that, that might inspire you to do another task, complete that next task. You know, let every little thing you achieve in life inspire you to do more, to be better. And, and don't back down from the sharks. Like he says, the sharks, but he, he touches on it like in the uh, SEAL training way. But, you know, and it can be taken this way. And I'm sure a lot of people took it this way. The sharks are those people that are trying to pull you under. The ones who are trying to discourage you. Use this as an inspiration to prove them wrong. You have to be your very best in those darkest moments. Those moments when you want to just give up and quit. When you want to ring that bell. Be inspirational to others and even yourself and fight through it. He talks about the power of hope. And how much the power of hope can do with, with one person changing the world. This one person is inspiring others. Be that hope. Be that inspiration. We all need that hope and that inspiration in this year. We need that. We had some of it in 2020, but now we really need it that we're going to fight through this. We're coming. We're going to come to an end of all, all this craziness that we've endured in 2020. Be And it's going to be inspiring to others. People are going to look back at this when they're sitting in history class going, how in the hell did they make it through? It's going to be inspiring. You know, it's, it's going to be, this is something, this past year is going to be something that's talked about. It's, it's going down in history as something crazy. This is craziness happened. And I'm going to talk about, finally, one of the things I'm going to finish up with is the Rocky Balboa speech. I have it memorized. I also have a poster of it on my wall so I can see it every day. And it's, the world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place. And I don't care how tough you are. It will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is going to hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Now, if you know what you're worth, then go out and get what you're worth. you got to be willing to take the hits, not pointing fingers, saying you ain't where you want to be because of him or her or anybody. Cowards do that and that ain't you. You're better than that. We're all better than that. 2020 showed us that this world is a very mean and nasty place and it knocked a lot of people to their knees. Some of them, it honestly did keep them down per permanently. But we had a lot of people push through. Those are the ones who are inspiring. You guys are the ones who are inspiring. You know who you are. The ones that fought through it. Who got up and inspired them through inspiration through themselves to inspire others. They're the ones who inspire me. And I'm pretty sure that you, you were inspired by somebody too. It became noticed this past year. And we got to take it into this year to keep inspiring.
Motivation Monday. It's time for Motivation Monday. I wrap up every episode with Motivation Monday. And, you know, it's only fitting. My episodes come out every Monday morning at 10 a.m. And I'm going to use a William Shakespeare quote. And it's, the meaning of life is to find your gift. The purpose of life is to give it away. We all have a reason to be here. Finding that reason isn't easy. It goes a little bit with what I talked about in episode 12 with finding your why. Find, the meaning of life is to find your gift. That's to find your why. But the purpose is to give that away and it's to inspire others. Not not to be selfish. And But yes, times you have to be selfish. But your goal in life is to inspire others and to change the lives of others. And with that, that's a wrap on episode 16 of the Rough Next Podcast. Welcome to 2021, everybody. And it, it's uh, hopefully this year is a lot better. I have a, I'm inspired that this year is going to be better. And I hope you guys are inspired as well. Keep inspiring others. Follow us on Instagram at Rough Next Podcast. Twitter at RoughnextPodC1. If you like this episode, rate, subscribe, review, do all that. It lets me know that, you know, you guys do like this and I should keep going with this. I need, you You guys are an inspiration to me. When you guys listen to this and you subscribe and you rate and you review, when you do all that, it, it inspires me to keep going. You guys are my inspiration to keep going. Don't let this mean and nasty world beat you to your knees permanently. Get up. Inspire others to do the same and don't ever ring that bell. Roughnecks out. So I talked a little bit on last episode about how, you know, episode one of this podcast was who are the Roughnecks and it was me and Teddy. Like I said, the podcast has changed a little bit, so I figured I'd do, you know, this is kind of after the episode. If you want to listen to it, you can. If not, you can go. Um, it's kind of about, you know, who I am. And I, I'm Cole Nixon. I grew up in Patasco, Ohio. It's uh, It was a smaller town, but it's getting bigger now. It's about 30 minutes east of Columbus. I went to Watkins Memorial High School. I was student council, National Honor Society. I played football and basketball. I was a two-time captain in basketball, a one-time captain in football. I ended up getting recruited to go play football at Ohio Wesleyan, so in Delaware, Ohio, which is about, I'd say, 30 minutes north of Columbus, uh, 45 minutes from where I'm at, and I went there. You know, I go in, everybody thinks they got it figured out, and I go in, and I think I'm going to major in computer science. Found out that's really fucking hard, so no longer doing that, and then I was like, yeah, I'll do data analytics. I took a data analytics class, and I really liked it. Found out I also couldn't major in that. That was a lot. But I ended up minoring in that. Um, still there currently. And so then I decided I'm going to major in business. But I love marketing. So I kind of went towards the marketing side. So I, I'm a business administration major with a more of a concentration on the marketing side with a minor in data analytics. I am set to graduate in May of 2021. Played three years of football at Ohio Wesleyan, unfortunately, this year was going to be my fourth. Um, it got canceled, obviously, due to COVID. So I did not have a senior year. Hopefully, like I said, this spring, maybe we can have something. But yeah, that's a little bit about who I am. Um, you know, I got two sisters, a brother. They're all older than me. Next closest in age is six years older than me. I'm 22 years old. And so like the next closest is 28. 
they're all married with kids. I have eight awesome nieces and nephews. I got three nephews and five nieces. Love all of them to death. They are my pride and joy. But yeah, that's a that's a little bit about who I am. If you guys want to know more, you can message me on social media. Um, we have the Twitter, which is um, RoughnecksPodC1, and Instagram, RoughnecksPodcast. My personal Twitter, though, is Cole3Nixon10. If you want to follow that, um, my Instagram's private, but you guys can follow me on Instagram. Or, sorry, you guys can follow me on Twitter. And you guys, make sure you follow the Roughnecks on Instagram and Twitter. It means a lot that you guys support me. Uh, if you want to know more, like I said, just message me. Or maybe I'll do an Instagram live one of these days. But uh, I appreciate all you guys. And thank you, Roughnecks out.